Welcome to the Boss Bitch Show podcast, Kathleen Meredith. Hey. I'm so excited. We're excited so to cool. have you. Oh my goodness. I ugh, what where can I start? I'll try not to get choked up. We have Aww. uh your your writer. Uh, entrepreneur, social media influencer, founder of Fat Girls Dance, um, book deal haver, Shonda Rhimes meter. Tell us. <laughs> Shonda Rhimes. I'm going to put up my title. I'm also a Shonda Rhimes meter. Yeah. <laughs> Contest well, winner. Right. What does that entail? I just met her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how my brain works you know Um, an amazing title I love it (laughs) but yeah so we're just gonna jump right in um I'm giving a preview but tell us why you're a boss bitch there's so many ways um fuck You, you know I I feel like that's such a great question and I feel like I'm gonna get all like metaphysical and deep on your ass. Love Please, that. we love that. That's before, our favorite. Yes. Be- before, before I actually say why, why I'm a boss bitch, I do feel like you know we we place and, and it's 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 hustle culture and it's patriarchy culture. We place a lot of our badassery and boss bitch status on what we have accomplished. And mm. Kathleen completely, completely bases her boss bitch status on what she's accomplished. Like, I'm not trying to say that I don't do that because I entirely do. Um, I, my whole worth is what, on what I've done and what I'm working on. And if I'm not working on anything that I feel like my boss bitch, boss bitch status has been removed. So I can and will say that um, what I'm supposed to say as per therapy, which is <laughs> my badassery and boss bitch status is not contingent on what I can produce. That is uh, mm, toxic, yes. toxic culture that is taught to us by the patriarchy. And I am a boss bitch just by fucking sitting here and eating Doritos. So yes, um, that's right. I, I, I want to recognize that myself as well as everyone on this Zoom and everyone who's listening, you are a fucking boss bitch bitch because of your heart and what you give to the world in that way you know that's Mm. super fucking important Mm. so um i feel like i'm a boss bitch because i love because i connect because i want to build things for the world and i want people to love and understand each other better and that is why i'm a fucking boss bitch that that that's essentially why right because you can have all the accoutrements (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, of building and creating shit and be a total cunt you know i mean (laughs) absolutely i mean (laughs) you know look look at leah michelle she's a boss bitch but she's a bitch yeah you know so (laughs) it's um it's i i feel like yes yes to be a real boss bitch where the fuck is your heart i think that's important But I'm also a boss bitch because of the things I've accomplished, because that's also (laughs) really important to me. (laughs) Listen, absolutely. I mean, we love to talk to people that we feel like are making a difference in the world and making a difference in the world is incorporating the things that you have done. And that makes you a boss bitch. So please. Yes. Agreed. So, um, and, and I, the other thing I'd like to add to this is I feel like I'm a boss bitch, but I'm still not and I'm sure other boss bitches can appreciate this. I'm still not where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? 
I think I'll, I'll probably call you guys and say, you guys should think, I, I think I did it. I think I'm actually a boss bitch. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I still feel like I have progress to make, you know? But um, I did uh, create a movement called uh, Fat Girls Dance, which I'm really proud of, which I totally did by accident. I was really just trying to do some research on a book because I wanted to get published. <laughs> and uh, it ended up being this completely viral, amazing movement that um, did incredible things that has connections all over the world at this point. And it really did change my life as well as changing the lives of a bunch of other women. And Fat Girls Dance is um, a movement that uh, tears down the stereotypes of fat bodies through the universal language of dance. So literally just by showing fat people move and all their jiggle and all their joy and all their love um, is to demonstrate to the world and demonstrate to ourselves that there's literally nothing we can't do and um, dismantling the ideas that even we have about ourselves. And it starts with us and then it goes out to the world. So that's Fat Girls Dance Movement. Um, the book um, is in progress. I just finished my last edits and my proposal and my literary agent um, yesterday started submitting to everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, Simon Schuster, Random House, everybody, you name it. When she sent me the list, she was like, so this is the short list. I said, this is everyone. There's, these are all <laughs> the people. That <laughs> was just a short list. Wow. But um, it, was, it was really exciting. And she said she's soft, soft touched all it sounds so dirty but she said she soft touched <laughs> all of them and they all are very very excited so she's very excited and um, definitely in the commercial fiction book club realm so the book is on the way in an actual tangible way not me just saying I'm working on it guys we'll see what happens it's like actually happening so I'm super excited wow. um there's wow. that so that's fat girls dance I also run an online marketing company that pays the bills it's called CM creative labs and uh, we do marketing social media management web design graphic design all that fun shit and um that's really exciting too. And uh, is there anything else? Oh, I got engaged this year. Rachel was there for that. Yes, Rachel was actually there for that. Got engaged and um, love of my life. His name is Stefan. He's in there in the room being annoying. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think those are all the reasons why I'm a boss bitch. Work. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Sounds like you are. Thank you, Krista. Um, Thank you. So I have so many things. I have so many questions. Um, but first of all, like I'm, you know, familiar with you and your work a little bit, but tell our listeners a little bit about like, what exactly, how did this thing go viral? Of yeah, very good question. Um, I would say it's because I get this question. I teach um, a marketing class and, and do some other things They're like, Oh, how do you do it? How do you get followers? Um, it is consistency and time and strategy. There's definitely gotta be a strategy. I knew going in, um, I already had a strategy set up. I've been doing marketing and, uh, social media stuff for the past like 15 years. So for me, I knew what the fuck I was doing. Most people yeah. kind of don't, but I felt like I already had a plan. I knew that I wanted to do one dance a week. And anytime you build a campaign, you're automatically going to just stack followers. And then I also had a mechanism set, set up. I was Fat Girl Fridays. We drop every single Friday without fail, without question. And um, tell our I, listeners what exactly that was. That was a video of you? Yes, dancing? yes. So okay. we, we dropped one very difficult dance for a year. We called it, um, excuse me, one dance every week for a year. And we called it um, the year of dance. So uh, basically we took 
fat bitches from all over the place and we <laughs> learned really hard dances and we did them every single week we rehearsed it was completely consuming we couldn't do anything else it's like this is what i'm doing for a year so we rehearsed two or three times we shot on thursday we dropped it on friday and then next week we did it all over again wow um, it was really consuming but we were very strategic about the difficulty of the dances, we were very strategic about consistency and we were very strategic about, um, so when we dropped it, we would tag the choreographers who originally did the dance. And okay. they, a lot of times would retweet us or repost us. That's another way we got followers Lit. because they generally have, you know, hundreds yeah. of thousands, if not millions of followers. And they're like, oh, look, these fat girls did some of our choreography, check it out. And now we're gaining followers. Amazing. So and these were like well-known dances from music videos or live performances. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Music videos, uh, YouTube, uh, choreographer, uh, Wildebeest Adams, Kyle Hanagami, uh, Paris Gobel, really big choreographers Work. retweeted us and, and reposted us. Yes. That was another, another um, strategy that I had. It wasn't just going to be us. We were going to actually help make other dancers do some of the work for us so that's how we got so much and then it was wow. happening every week so the dropping every week really helps incredible now I want to ask you are you do you have a background in professional dance fuck no absolutely not no <laughs> I um I love dancing but I dance so like you know I'm, I'm a theater person and so you Work. learn all the things so I, acting I'd say was my first biggest strength acting and directing. I love being in charge and telling people what to do. Um, and then after that, I'd say a little singing, but really not good. And then way below that was dancing. I, okay. I generally just danced for fun. I never really yeah. danced professionally, um, you know, musical theater background and all that kind of shit. You have to kind of learn it all, but then you lean on your strengths and dance yes. just wasn't one right. of them. It really so wasn't. this is so incredible that this is the thing that launched you. Like the Bitch, that, who are you telling? Who are you I telling? mean, it's true. I don't know if Rachel's told you, but I am a professional dancer. I have a background in professional dance and did that for years. And now I've sort of, you know, moved into like comedy and acting more, um, mostly because physically, you know, you don't get a huge, it's like being an NFL football player. You don't yes. get that many years. You know what I mean? It doesn't work forever. Um, yeah. So, you know, so now for years, for the last, like probably five, six, seven years, I mean, God, almost 10 years, I've been transitioning into what does it mean for me to be a dancer now? Like, yeah. what, what does that mean now? Like, how do I identify with it now? And like, who is the dancer I am now? Because I can't hold on to who I was then because sure. I've changed. My body has changed. And I just think this is a very interesting conversation because you're talking about how dance is a human right. Yes. And that is, I think that is so beautiful. And I think myself and a lot of um, other fellow dancers uh, that you know, that are kind of moving away from being a professional dancer. They're either moving into, you know, choreography or directing or managing or whatever their new career is. There is this process of deconstructing dance and looking at it through the lens of a human being instead of the lens of a professional dancer. Mm. And I'm very curious to know your thoughts on this because a lot of that incorporates decolonizing dance because yes. there is so much of that in our industry Ooh. that we are taught 
from, you know, from little babies in ballet class, we are taught that ballet is the root of all dance. No, bitch. Indigenous people have been doing dance since the beginning of time. Yes. Ballet is not ballet is something that was created for a rich, wealthy upper class for us to entertain the royals. Like it is not the root of all dance. Sure. Dance is a human right. Dance comes from indigenous peoples. Dance comes from human beings. So I'm so curious to know your thoughts on that because that I am continually going through that process of deconstructing what it means for me to be a dancer now and, and really decolonizing it in my mind and um, freeing myself. Yeah. Those ideas. Yeah. What a fascinating concept that you just brought up, Kristen. What a fascinating idea and concept that you just brought up. I, um, have never known anything different. The reason why, so, so I, I wrote, I had this list of books I wanted to write and then I wrote down, you know, Fat Ghost Dance, you know, without any, mm. any concept that I was gonna create a whole movement. I was just like, I'm gonna write a book about fat dancers. And the reason why I wrote that down on the list of books I wanted to write was because it wasn't until I moved to New York, I'm from the suburbs in Sacramento, California, boring as shit, yay sack town, but there ain't a goddamn thing going on there. <laughs> it's like minivan mafia and state workers, it's awful. But I'm from Sacramento, California. When I was, it's incredibly diverse, you know, whatever. Um, but I grew up dancing and I've always been in a fat body and I never thought, and maybe it's cause I never tried to, I never tried to enter the harsh world of doing it professionally. Oh. But for me, it was always mm. fun and it was always, I never felt like I didn't belong because I was fat. Now, when I moved to New York and started going to like dance classes just randomly and having fun, dancing at church, doing all the shit that I wanted to do, you encounter way more because it's New York, way more professional dancers. And what I got when I went to just a random, easy dance class, what I got was stares. Like people would stare at me and I'm like, What's going on? I'm just trying to get. <laughs> What's the problem? You know. And also because you know I'm Kathleen and I'm loud and busy and you know I'm basically like a drag queen residing in like a black girl's body. Um, I like to you know be in front. I never dance in the back. I always walk directly to the front for two reasons. I like people who to you know, I like to be seen, but also I'm closer to the mirror and I can see the choreographer better because I'm not a good dancer. I really need to watch every fucking thing the choreographer is doing. So Mm -hmm. I need to be in their face. Like, yeah, I'm going to need you to do it again. Yeah. I don't have it. Do it again. Yeah. Do it again. So like, that's why I'm in front, but I think people were surprised by how I moved that my energy and that I was just excited to be there. And Mm. I, that's when the idea of fat girls dance came to mind because I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. I didn't know that. Like it never even occurred to me that I was supposed to have shame. Like it never occurred to me. I mean, what a blessing, you know, and like myself growing up, like in dance studios and as a dancer and my, the beginning of my like dance life was in classical ballet, which is like, Mm. (laughs) talk about like a colonized art form. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the shame and the body dysmorphia and Mm. eating disorders that these environments breed is, you know, I think that the dance industry is finally starting to look at that. It's like with anything else, it's with our show that people want to see art that reflects 
them, not yes. artists on a pedestal. Yes. And we talk about this about our stand-up yeah. show, our live stand-up yeah. show all the time of like, New York City has some of the most diverse audiences in the world. Sure. You get that. I mean, that audience is so beautiful. You have you have queer people, you have people of color, you have just like everybody. And then, you know, for a regular stand-up show, they go to see, you know, run-of-the-mill Times Square show, and the entire lineup is white, cis, straight men. So they're not seeing themselves reflected. Yeah. And when people come to our show... Right. They get to fucking see themselves and it's powerful. Yeah. And they're talking yeah. about things. They're talking about things that affect people of color, that affect women, that affect queer people. And like, and, and making you laugh about it, like yeah. not talking about it, but making you laugh about it. And I think that dance is finally getting to a place where they're realizing that it is a disservice to them to not reflect Yes. Full spectrum of an audience. And I don't know, like, I haven't seen a dance show in quite a long time. I mean, the last dance show I saw was the Rockettes, which talk about <laughs> cookie. I mean, I fucking love that show. It's like Christmas on crack. I'm obsessed. <sighs> and the, you know, similar to classical ballet, it, everyone has to look exactly alike. Only in the last 10 to 15 years have they actually like started to focus on having people of color. I mean, yeah. you know, and that's like, that's where they're willing to stretch. But like, yes, I mean, they're, 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 oh, they're, they're, no, that's not there yet. They ain't there yet. You know what I mean? And like, Absolutely. What, and like, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, there's like, it, you know, it brings up all these questions of like aesthetic. And aesthetics that are that are um, rooted in white supremacy. Sorry, not sorry, but like they are, you know. Yeah. And you know, for me, it makes me think of like playing the violin. Um, I mean, it, it's not necessarily as um, based so much in you know race or gender or anything like that, but it is based in like you know, if you don't have money, chances are you're not picking up a violin, you know. And you're, if you don't have money, you can't afford to pay for lessons, you know, 100%. And if, you're, is the same. if you're not perfect, if you don't, you know, practice this much. And, and that was why I didn't go to school for it, because I was like, I don't want this to go from something I'm joyful about to being something that I have to be so rigorous about that I hate it. Right. You know, um, maybe it would have been different if I was a jazz violinist or, you know, and, and, you know, now I do sort of everything with it that I can get my hands on, but yeah, being a symphony violinist was like, it was insane. My teacher was like, I practice five hours a day. I was like, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to go on my natural talent and a little bit of discipline. And then yeah. uh, we'll go from yeah. there. I, I, yeah. I feel like, um, what everything you guys are bringing up is so interesting to me when we talk about this shift right from the the idea of um your talent and what you're creating in terms of superiority and the class system of even the arts and how the arts is just supposed to be beautiful and pure and human and not you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 you know, um, I was reading this article about, you know, what is the efficacy of the opera anymore? You know, what is it for? And I feel like the reason why the opera is still kind of stush and still, you know, I went and saw um, an opera with um, my friend who's obsessed with the opera. I took him for his birthday 
And, you know, we, we were looking for other races besides us, you know, for, it was just, there was a sea of, of white hair. And I'm like, you know, these people aren't going to be here in 10 or 15 years. Where the fuck is their audience going to go? You know, and, you know, I feel like the places that are still very, you know, we are here and you are here, aren't surviving Gen Z, aren't surviving millennials, aren't, aren't surviving people who are like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to live my my normal, regular TikTok target existence. You know, yeah. I can only afford to shop here. And you know, like I'm not, I'm not it's trying not to be accessible. about it's it, the the lack of access is not the lack of yeah. access is not ac- acceptable anymore. You know, that we really do have to shift our ideologies of, of what it is. And I I say personally, if it's not fun, if we're not having fun and if you're not making me come the fuck alive, why are we here? You know? <laughs> I thought you were saying if you're not making me come. And if I'm not going to come, I don't want to be here. No, that was the other thing I was going to say, Rachel, which I'm so glad you brought up coming. Um, I love- you, you can count on me. <laughs> yes. What I fucking love about the Boss Fish show and about Rachel and about everything you guys do is there is a fearless sex positivity conversation and narrative that I think is so important. Um, And I definitely think it's important when it comes to us as women talking about it. I feel like men have always had the freedom to be, you know, dirty and have dirty jokes and stuff like that. But we can't talk about, you know, um, how I had to, you know, strap on a dildo and fuck a guy. You know, we can't talk about, you know, how I like to get choked out. We can't talk about, you know, all all of these things that I I feel like are, are not only important, but a part of our lives. And it still feels a little like, you know, to other people, you know, to other people. And I I feel like the narrative around sex and around sex positivity and shifting that idea, and and especially in communities of, of color, because we love to pretend that we don't have sex and we don't fuck and we're not freaks. Black people love that shit. And I'm like, come on, man. I was at a sex party the other day. I saw you. You know, yes. like, let's, let's just be real. You know, let's just be real yes. about it and stop trying to be. It's like, it's not like you can't do those things. You just can't say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like it's it's a really tired trope. You know, I feel like we should be able to say what we do and what we like and how we do. And so I've always really love that about the yeah. shows that I'm going to see when I did when I have a few times I've gotten to go catch a boss bitch show I'm like we need these conversations more I know we're in a comedy club but we should be having them at church like we yeah. should be talking about this shit you know we really should absolutely and not only that like I think about you know, the stories that we're still telling in like concert dance, there's what's considered like classical repertoire, you know, like Giselle dies of a broken heart over this man that, you know, like Swan what, are, what are the beauty. stories? Yeah. yeah. What are the stories that we're choosing to tell? And like, oh, because it's classical repertoire and we want it to like live on forever. But I don't know. Is that a story we really want to tell? Like I've just you know, and, and I say that as someone who's performed in these ballets and like, sure. I, have a, I have a soft spot for the artistic value of them for like the choreography for the music. I mean, the music sure. is like stunning. Oh, how, Swan Lake. Oh my God. But how the fuck do we tell that story in 2022? Sure. That's what I find interesting. Yeah. That's, I find oh my gosh. that 
compelling. <laughs> like who is telling that story for 2022? Who yeah. is telling that story for anyone besides the 80 year old fucking donors of ABC? <laughs> who we need love the 80 year old uh, donors, not shit right, on but, them. But I yeah. mean, not to get on like a whole other tangent, but like fundraising and like philanthropy is a scam. <laughs> it's because our country doesn't support those things in their like infrastructure. Like it's a fucking scam. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? and, and, and then they, they say that our generation doesn't give, doesn't give a shit, isn't excited. You know, all, oh, you know, we're right. just that, you know, that generation that doesn't give a shit. It's like, well, you know, if I can't afford groceries, then I might not be able to be a member of the Met Opera, you know, right. I'm sorry. And who's, <laughs> and who's on the board of directors that's deciding what the season is? Well, sure. there's white people. Yeah, there's white that. people. So are you surprised that you're not appealing to like the younger generations who will be the audiences for the next 50 years? Are you surprised? You know, like, that shouldn't be surprising. Well, yeah. there's also the concept of like, we're, we're not of the generation that hated the day jobs that we lived in and then, you know, chose to spend that disposable income on things that you could actually enjoy. Right. We're, mm. we're of the generation that's like, wow, maybe I can do a job doing what I love and I might have a little bit less disposable income for right now, but generally speaking, my overall life is a lot better. So if yeah, I don't yes. want to go see the opera, because I mean, I come from a family of musicians and I had to study it in college to appreciate it because I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? I don't speak German. I don't speak Italian. And it, what? And then I grew a love for it. But yeah, it's not very easily accessible. It's not relatable. Mm-hmm. And even I was talking with Lauren Hope Crass, another comedian last night, and she said, I've just come to realize I think I'm niche, right? And she is a fat activist as well, a fat activist comedian. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm niche. I hate that right? because, <laughs> because I did a, I did a, a podcast the other day for a, a college student in Toronto. And he was like, your skits are very risque. And I was like, what? What? And then yeah. I was like, what, what do you, I was like, um, okay, yes, I, my, my comedy can be sex positive. My, my live show, my podcast is sex positive. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And he was like, well, what would you say to people who, who didn't understand that his know, voice? I can't even <laughs> describe his voice. It was like half Midwest, half Canada. I, 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 I believe this is what it is. I don't give a fuck it what it actually different. says. I, I'm, I'm owning this. I'm owning and he's it. probably going to listen to this and hate this. But, <laughs> but what, what struck me is so interesting is like, he just kept harping on it. And he said, well, what would you say to these people? And I was like, as nicely as I could say it, I was like, well, I would tell them if they have a problem with sex, that they should go to therapy, you know, or maybe like come to a show and learn some things. And, you know, and he was, oh, he said, what was your favorite joke out of all your crazy jokes? You know, out of all your skits, he kept calling them skits and sketches. And I was like, I'm a stand-up comic. I'm not a sketch comedian, but okay. And then uh, I was like, I don't know. There's an old one about, I met a guy at a party and I ended up going back to my house and I used a strap on, but it's really not a joke about a strap on. It's a joke about coconut oil. Right. Oh yeah. Well, with that bondage, you might need a lot of coconut oil. And I said, what i said um strap-ons have nothing to do with bdsm and he was like yeah well the straps you know right don't you you, get like you have a straps on your bra and i was like (laughs) i was like no actually um a strap-on is when (sighs) 
um, a person without a penis or maybe even a person with a small penis puts on a harness and attaches a dildo to it and may use that to penetrate another human being. There's no straps involved. (laughs) Yeah. Except for the ones keeping the dildo on their body. Right. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I, 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 sometimes uh, you, you know, sometimes, and I run into this when I'm thinking about what the fuck I'm going to post on my social media. Sometimes I'm like, doesn't everyone know this already? Do I really need they to don't. say this again? And you know, we, 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 we live in such a, New York allows us to live in such a bubble, you know, that we forget the rest of the world doesn't quite understand how a strap-on would go on or why you would use it. They don't understand fat activism. They, they are still trained to hate their bodies and dancers uh. should be a certain size. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it, it's so hard because I live it. It's so hard to be like, ah, we still have a fuck ton of work to do so mm-hmm. much work to do. And we say that to each other, you know, in our moments when we're frustrated, you know, with, you know, editing a podcast is a lot of work and, and promoting and selling a comedy show is a lot of work. And then we remind ourselves at the end of the day, no, it's bigger than us. We're doing a service for the world. We're, we're teaching people about sex positivity and, and, and uplifting, voices that are underrepresented Mm -hmm. and and that's important and that's yeah yeah. yes and let me ask you um Kathleen I'm curious about this as for someone who has like had things go viral on social media how do you deal with the haters oh man I love the haters I really do I really do and I mean that authentically not in a sassy black girl oh I love the haters no I mean I love (laughs) I love them in a Jesus way. Um, So first I've always had this issue and I'm best friend Raven. Hi Raven. She doesn't get it. She doesn't understand. (laughs) Every fucking time we get hate mail, I laugh. Not again, not from a ha ha ha. I laugh. I twirl on my haters really from an authentic belly laugh because when you (laughs) the reason why it's it's just i just picture this you know sad middle-aged white guy who's like taking the time to email me about it and i'll tell you one thing i hate you and i'm just like who are you i don't like i don't know you do you need a hug what's going on um I don't know and and you know that's something it's like I'm not an actual celebrity or anything so it's just I'm this weird person who you've never met and why are you taking the time um I feel like I feel like I deal with the haters with a certain amount of pity and laughter and it's primarily because they are so sad and they are so pressed Mm. and I'm like I really don't get it and I'm trying not to laugh at you, but I don't understand why you're taking the time. Do you engage? To email me. I engage a little because I, I, I find it funny, but I don't engage much. I don't engage okay. much. And, and if they are um, very, uh, when I first started, I would leave their comments on my page primarily because I don't feel like it's, I, I don't feel like it's effective to our cause to make it seem as if it's all buddies Uh, obviously there's some people out there who do not agree with what we do or why we do it and that kind of stuff and I feel like 
creating a safe space is really important when we're having a dance class or a retreat or something like that. But on social media, you should know that we have a lot of work to do. Now, if it gets out of hand, I will delete and block. But I feel like it's important to know there are still people who don't quite understand. And even that, that's what I'm saying. I deal with them with a lot of grace because I do not think, they are also products of the patriarchy. Does that make sense? They're suffering. They're they're, they're actually suffering. They don't get it. They don't understand. And if we, you know, for for us, fat phobia is the only phobia. Well, probably one of the, probably one of the remaining phobias where it is completely okay to hate yourself as well as other people hate you, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're allowed to tell yourself that you suck because you do suck. You're fat and that's your fault. You suck. And you should be doing something about that. And then other people are like, hey, you know, you suck. Yeah, I know I'm fat. I suck. And so it's like, it's a pile on. Whereas I can say as a black, a black person, I'm awesome. But if someone comes and tries to tell me, hey, you're black, you suck. I can say, what the fuck did you just say? I'm amazing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I feel yeah. like it's one of the few remaining acceptable uh, discriminations mm-hmm. where we are almost discriminated on ourselves. So because of that, it's very hard for me to turn and look at someone who's a hater or a troll and be like, wow, I can't believe you said that. I absolutely do believe you said that because yeah. being fat is not okay. I know why you society. said that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, being fat is not okay. You don't understand why I'm okay with it. And you don't understand why I would just be going around promoting obesity when it's so unhealthy. Like I, I understand where they're coming from entirely because most of us, even fat people, we're just there. And so even if you've had this body positivity experience and you do understand, you get your body and you love yourself, loving yourself in a fat body is extraordinarily rare. And I'll say this, loving yourself in any body is extraordinarily rare. Uh, we're, we're, we're conditioned to hate ourselves, you know, um, specifically women, 91% of women hate their bodies. So, you know, it doesn't matter size two, 22, we hate our bodies. Matter. It, it don't, matter. it doesn't matter. So it's, it's troubling. You know, I met this girl, um, this really sweet, cute girl, size six. I was at a party. I was talking about fat girls dance and this bitch was mad. Oh, she was mad. And she was a boss bitch too. But, you know, I can tell just from her conversation and the way she was coming at me, I can tell she was like, I have done all this work to maintain this size six. Um, And this fat, stupid bitch walks in here eating cake. And loves about, herself. <laughs> yes. Talking about How she's dare. okay. How, How dare, dare you? She? How, dare, How you? dare you? And I think um, to that point, like Rachel and I have talked about this extensively with our mothers that like our mothers oh, yeah. have Ooh. internalized this internalized misogyny, this internalized hatred around their body and then like project it everywhere. Oh, yeah. And, and they you know, want us to just, take it on, you know? Right. Yes. They they and it is triggering for them to see another woman, especially their child, sure, not do that and say, yes. No, I love myself. I love myself when I'm fat. I love myself no matter what size I am. I love myself without makeup. I love myself yes. when I don't yeah. do my hair, when I don't wear heels. Like, and that is so triggering yes. because it shows them that they haven't allowed themselves to yeah. do that. Even yes. if they get it subconsciously or consciously. And mm. and it kind of ties them back to what you were saying in the beginning, where it's like, you can want other things for yourself. You can want to have a different body or you can want to yeah. exercise more, eat differently or not, but be happy where you're at right now. Yes. Yes. You know? And I mean, 
shit, we go to therapy, we take classes, seminars, whatever, to read books, to, you know, to incorporate that. Cause that's not, that sure as hell ain't a fucking generational no. or, or, <laughs> or inherited conversation of like, that's a what? new fucking concept. Be that is satisfied with where you are. You can have goals, but, but love this right here, right now. Yeah. And, and you're, and you're, and you're like, like what you know it's astounding no it truly is astounding and I think like when we you know there was like some fucking Instagram quote the other day but I was like word that said something to the effect of like I have said for years that you can't hate yourself into changing no and that that has always been so powerful for me that like I can't change something until I love and accept the person who was doing the best they could with the tools that they had. And if I don't love and accept that person who made a mistake or didn't do as well as I wanted to do, I can't move on from that. I can't until I love her. I can't move on to this new me. You know, I completely agree. And I have to say this because I always feel like it's really important to say this to whoever's listening. What Kristen said it's Kirsten, not. I'm sorry. Kirsten, sorry, Kirsten. And it That's says it. Kirsten, and I keep saying Kirsten. It's all good. Don't worry. It's actually spelled correctly, and I'm stupid. Okay, I'm sorry. But what I will say is this what Kirsten is saying is not woo-woo bullshit. It's not, you know, like, oh, that's just what you feel good, hippie, millennials. No, 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 it's actually science. There's a science behind body positivity and body acceptance, and it's called psychoneuroimmunology, and it has to deal with your vagus nerve, and your vagus nerve does not filter for content, so all the negative shit that you were thinking is going into your actual body, not just mentally, but your actual body, and so your body is in fight, flight, or freeze, and if you're constantly in that state of mind, which your body is supposed to stay in that state of mind, then you cannot do digestion. You cannot do repair. You cannot do sleep. You cannot do any of the shit that your body needs to do to stay healthy. So this idea that Mm. body positivity is bullshit. No, you actually need to be positive about your body to remain healthy, to get your body to be functioning the way it is. Bathing ourselves in vats of self-hate does nothing for your body. I taught this workshop to like this, um, this, conference of doctors I was doing at Ohio State University and it was a conference on obesity and I finished uh I was done and I asked it was really great they were all awesome and I asked if anyone had any questions and this older white guy doctor I keep harping on the white guys I mean, I'm sure on. some of those white guys are great but this older white guy doctor raised his hand and he was like I understand everything you're talking about and psychoneuroimmunology and the science that, that all makes sense he said but what about tough love and I was like can you elaborate he's like you know just you know, tough love, getting yourself, you know, it's like, I like to be, you know, a little tough on my clients who are fighting with obesity. Cause you know, I feel like that's important. I was like, well, how do you do tough love? And as I was asking him follow-up questions, I'm like, I'm having a conversation about tough love with a doctor. Like, you know, he's like, he has a medical fucking degree and he's his, his pushback on this hour long presentation I did was, well, what about tough love? And there's something I had to understand that there's something in our mechanism that feels that we have to be at least a little mean to ourselves in order to get results. You know, we have to, there has to be Mm. that, you know, um, there has to be that Ike Turner, Tina, that Joe Jackson, Michael Jackson, in order to get excellence, it has to be birthed from abuse. And it's like, that's not true. That's not actually something that has to happen. You don't have to beat your own ass in order to get results. It's just not 
functional. It's not helpful. And medically, it doesn't but make yeah. any sense. And, you know, it is the basis for many organized religions. I follow a lot of um, deconstruction, Christian deconstruction on like TikTok. I'm like obsessed with this former pastor who it, you know, talks all about deconstruction and this idea that mostly evangelism um, preaches is, you know, the idea that we are born with original sin. We are originally sinful and we have to pray and do certain things and worship a God so that that God doesn't punish us. And so that we can be forgiven for our sins, which like a a baby is, is sinful, like a newborn baby. We we are, but filthy rags, you know, just all of these. I mean, and it's truly insane. So it's this, it's, I mean, and it filters into everything. It filters into white supremacy. It filters into misogyny. I mean, and the reason why I brought up the thing about trolls and like, how do you respond to the haters is uh, I posted a video last month of a clip from my standup that is about my period. And it's about like using a diva cup. And it's basically about how like I forgot to unpack my regular toothbrush and I by accident like brushed my teeth several times with my diva cup toothbrush. No. Yeah, gross, gross, gross. <laughs> but it's very it's but you know the the joke that just once several times. <laughs> yeah. So so it it went like you know, it, it did well on the interwebs. And when anything does well, you get the randoms, you get the trolls. And I had two comments that, um, that I was like, wow, we got a long way to go. And I have to say I did, I'm an immediate block and delete person. And you're making me think about that. You're making me like reconsider that. And I, um, the comments, one of them was, was just like, who thinks this is funny? And I was like, oh, well, the 25,000 people who have watched (laughs) I don't know, I guess those people. Um, And then the other thing was, and I didn't respond, I just blocked and deleted. And then the other one was something of like, this is disgraceful and like horrible. And I was like, for me to talk about a natural bodily function that, that most AFAB people experience, how is that? How is that disgraceful? We I'm can't like, talk about our periods, man. We can't do it. You know, and it's periods. like, and it's that misogyny. And it's like, we all came from a vagina. Everybody came from a vagina. We did. And this is what makes it possible for people to come out of vaginas is periods. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I am disgraceful for talking about it. Freaks like, people I, out, man. Freaks people out. I don't and, know why. And the you know, and, the red, the red, go in the red tent, go deal with that. And there's, you know, there's still religions that, you know, you're not even allowed to like, you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to, there are religions that you're not allowed to use or cultures, not even just religion that aren't allowed to use a diva cup or a tampon because that's considered penetration. And then they're no longer a virgin and no longer valuable. I mean, like, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're just talking, we're talking about healthcare. We're talking about like uh, hygienics. You know yes. what I mean? And it just really blows my mind. And I'm, I don't know if you know this creator, um, Rain Dove. They're a really amazing, um, I believe, non binary model. And they respond 
they get a lot of inbox stuff. They talk a lot about sure. like, trans rights and dealing with children who are trans and what it means to be trans. And they get a lot of stuff in their inbox, especially from parents of trans children. Mm-hmm. And no, and the messages, the initial messages are bad. You know, they are very, you know, aggressive, sometimes violent. And Rain Dove responds, it astounds me every time. Every time I read one of their responses, it is astounding. I don't know how they respond with such love and patience. Like it, it's literally a response that, that never occurred to my brain when someone would come at you like that. Yeah. yeah. And they end up and they end up with permission, like posting these conversations and getting to a place. I mean, by the end of the conversation, it's thank you so much. You've taught me so much. And I'm going to have this conversation with my child. And I really appreciate you. Would you be open to talking to me in the future? Like they get to this place where you're like, how the fuck did you get to that place? <laughs> and that is very inspiring to me and also confounding. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there's uh, there's definitely a mechanism in our, in our, in our psyche that wants to protect and defend and push back and especially. I mean, me, I mean, I'm used to be like, who the fuck do you think you're fucking talking? That's generally my energy except when I'm doing fat girls dance shit. I feel like God puts this weird sage thing inside of me (laughs) because in general, that's how I want to fucking come at people, but it's not in me when I get the hate mail. It's really not. It's not even like something I have to repress. It's just like, oh, Mm. come here, come here. Let's talk. You know, um, it's, 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 it's very strange, but you know, the, the things that we say and the things that we spout, particularly during pride month, you know, when we're like, you know, love is love, you know, love will lead the way, all that kind of stuff. We have to live that shit. And living that shit is hard. Living all the shit that we spout and that we say that, you know, uh, love, love is going to win, all that kind of stuff. I feel like the reason why um, the person we're talking about, the reason why they're so successful is I think they're living that love, you know, and that does sound sappy and woo-woo, but it's true. You know, I, I feel like at the end of the day, your trans kid you probably still love them very much and you and still that, want and that's, that's creating, kind of where yeah it's creating that anger and that fear yes. it's all fear so well, yeah like, all, all of it is fair all of how do we fear. transmute that fear back to love in like a yes. conversation and it's like I think about that with the comments that I've gotten on my socials of like one is it worth my energy and let's be honest emotional labor to engage yeah. with us and two like like, how do I connect with this person and be like, hey, what are you afraid of? Yeah. What, what are you? What's well, I, I think by them reaching out on some level, they're trying to understand that mm. which they don't. Right. And it's mm. like, if we just come at them with vitriol and fire, it doesn't really no. move the conversation forward. And I get what you're which saying. Which is ultimately what we're trying to do. Yeah. Right. But it's like, you know, essentially we're all in our own ways trying to, you know, make a difference, make a change in my life. Okay. Uh, uh, thank you. If you weren't <laughs> going to do it, I was going to do it. Thank you. Someone had to fucking do it. real yes. good. <laughs> make it all right. Well, I think it's time for the big deck energy cards. <laughs> Absolutely. Once we start singing Michael Jackson, it's time. Yeah, it's over. Yes, it's yes, over. yes. 
So uh, as we chatted earlier, the big deck energy cards. The big um, deck energy cards. So yes, it's where we take back words that have become stigmatized in our culture, in our society. And we, <sighs> you know, we make them ours. Yes. So tell me when to stop. Okay. Are you starting? Yes. Have you started? Okay, hold on. Stop. The word is pussy. Yay. <laughs> I wanted it to be period, but I'm cool with, with pussy. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to write to consider. I'm going to write that down. Well, yeah. Well, well done. Specifically what Kirsten just shared in, in the, the period phobia. It's crazy. So oh, it's so crazy. So the definition of the pussy, according to the boss <laughs> bitch show podcast is yes. the warm, wet, elusive domain of power. So I just got goosebumps when you said that. Yes. Me and too. you received it in the upright direction, much like tarot. Um, so the upright reading is, holy shit, you are strong as fuck. You are a master creator with your feminine magic. Harry Potter who? I don't know her. You are coveted <laughs> and others strive to please you. Get it, bitch? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I receive all of that shit. Ashe, mm. Ashe, motherfucker. Yes. Mm. Yes. I receive it. That's amazing. Yes. And then the affirmation is yes. I hold the power of the pussy. She is my divine feminine creator. I may bleed, but I won't die. I am strong, resilient, and a beautiful bitch. Oh my God. Do you love how that ended up mentioning periods? Yeah. Hello. Full circle. Yes, yes, yeah. It always does. Oh I love God. it. Wow. I fucking love it. Oh my God. Yeah. So nice. So wow. great. Wow. This has I may been a bleed, but I may not die. I will not die. I like that. Yes. Oh, that's good. Powerful. So yeah. tell our listeners where they can find you. Oh shit. Okay. You can find me on fatgirlsdance.com. Um, on Instagram, I'm on Fat Girls Dance Movements, YouTube, Fat Girls Dance. I'm barely on Twitter, but Twitter, Fat Girls Dance, and Facebook, Fat Girls Dance. Yeah. All of those places. And watch out for the book. I have no idea when it's coming out. But when we'll I get the dates, I will tell everybody. <laughs> I seriously can't wait to read this shit for real. Thank you. For real, for thank real. You Congratulations. So and thank you for all your work. Truly. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Kirsten and Rachel. I feel honored to be on this amazing podcast. I it really was wonderful it. to have you from yes. sunny Mexico. Woo! Yes. Oh. Kathleen Meredith, everybody. Thank you.